Thank you, Pastor. Good evening and welcome to the Tuesday night service. Take your Bibles, please, and go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. We haven't had school this week, but we've been having some meetings right here in the church at night. We appreciate you folks that are coming, the way God's working, and different people responding different ways to what God has been saying to them. We have Wednesday night, Thursday night, and the meeting is history. And I hope that you're inviting for Wednesday and Thursday night. Thursday night, the message will be what to expect if you miss the coming of Christ. What does the Bible teach is going to happen when Jesus comes? What's going to take place after He's come? You don't want to miss that. I was preaching last week and we had eight people saved on the final night of the service. Four adults and four young people, four teenagers. And God does His work through His way by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I hope that you'll do your best to have somebody here and plan to be here in each and every service. With your Bibles open, please stand for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of the living God. I'm starting my reading tonight in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Look at verse 18. Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The title of the message tonight is real simple, The Key to Maximum Christian Living. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Word of God and the God of the Word. Neither will change. Both can change us. May that happen tonight. We pray for anybody who's in church but not in Christ. May they understand the difference between a relationship and a religion. And may they trade their religion in for the relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray for anybody who may be walking a distance from the power of the Holy Spirit. May tonight they get turned around and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to take charge of their lives. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine with me that a very benevolent banker has decided to put into your account $86,400 every day of your life. Now, some of you are saying, boy, wouldn't that be great? Well, let me give you the qualifications for it. Number one, you can't take any money home. You've got to spend it all that day. Number two, you can't have any money left over to give to somebody else. You've got to spend it and just got to be gone. What would you do with $86,400 every day of your life? You say, well, preacher, I don't know. What would you do? Well, I don't know either, but I do know that the power of the Holy Spirit of God comes at 86,400 seconds every day of your life. When you come to the end of every day, the Holy Spirit of God has exercised what He wants to do in, through, by, and for you. And the question is, are you allowing Him to do that? In this passage of Scripture in verse 16, He says, redeeming the time, buy up the time, Seize the moments, maximize all the time so that God can use you in a powerful way. He goes through and tells us in verse 18, Be not drunk with wine where is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. How is it that anybody is going to have the power of the Spirit of God on your life? Well, number one, you must understand the uh, obedience of the command to be filled with the Spirit. The negative side of it is don't let anything run your life other than the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Proverbs 20 and verse 1, wine is a marker, strong drink is raging, whosoever to see thereby is not wise. Proverbs 23 and 29, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds, who has redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not on the wine when it is red, when it giveth forth its color in a cup, when it moveth itself aright, for at last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Booze will make an idiot out of you. In case you missed that statement, I'll make it louder. Booze will make an idiot out of you. And you ought not to have anything to do with that which God is opposed to. You know, it's an amazing thing. 45% of automobile accidents are a direct result of, Ill of illegal alcohol. One every 31 minutes gets drunk in a, in, the, in a home. One out of every three families is under the scourge of alcoholism. I'm telling you these things because if you're messing with any type of alcohol, you're messing with your future and God may shorten it for you. So if I were you, I wouldn't let any of alcohol take charge of my life. From a positive standpoint, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled means it's in the imperative mood. It means it's not a promise, but it's one of the commandments. It's like a, one of the Ten Commandments. It's in the plural form. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God control you in every form, fashion, and what you need to be doing every day of your world. It's not for the elite or for those who want an ecstasy. It's for those who want an eternal reward and a time down here when you can pour yourself into somebody else. It's in the passive voice, which simply means you don't fill yourself. And for those of you that have been in meetings before and thought, well, if I can just get myself in the proper location, then I'll be filled, you're wrong. You don't get filled until you're in the place where God wants you to be so that He can understand and you can understand what He's telling you to do. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, If any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. Simply translated, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 do you not know that you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God? And then it's in the present tense. It simply means you don't hope to one day come to the filling of the Spirit. You want to be every day filled with the Spirit. You don't want to be occasionally filled. You want to be obsessively filled. And you want the Spirit of God to be inside of you day and night from the beginning of every morning to the end of every night till you go to sleep and you allow the Spirit of God to do in, through, by, and for you what He chooses to do. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, what are the conditions for being filled? Well, there are actually three. 
Now the first one is A-S-K. Everybody tell me what that word says. I can almost hear you. Try it again. It simply means that you're going to ask the only one who can possibly fill you and take charge of your life and get out of you exactly what he needs and that is the Holy Spirit of God who wants to take charge of your life. Luke eleven thirteen. if you being evil know how to good, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? In the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are lots of people who go to church they read their Bible, they pray, and they wonder why they're not moving anywhere spiritually. Well, you have not yet gotten in a place where God can hear you because you've never invited Him to come live in your life. A person is not saved because they go to church, have been baptized, because they sing songs. It's because they have surrendered their will to the will of the Heavenly Father and they've asked Him to come and live and abide in their lives. You need to ask God to come. Number two, you need to allow God to come in. There are people and they'll get excited. Now God, you know if I ever had a need, it's certainly you. And so I'm calling upon you and I'm asking you to come and take charge of my life because I can't do any of what you want me to do without that. And so the Holy Spirit of God comes who lives inside and he operates for about 15 or 20 minutes and that man gets upset about something and gets in the flesh and goes back to his old way of living and wonders why God's not taking charge of his life. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you have to allow him to take charge. Romans 6 and verse 13, neither yields your members as instruments as unrighteousness unto sin, but yield them unto God. Romans 6, 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are. How long has it been since you found yourself filled with the Spirit for one single day? You said, preacher, you mean for a week? No, I'm talking about for one single day. See, I ask some of these questions nobody wants to ask because the truth of the matter is most of us are not filled with the Spirit all day long. The wife gets upset with the husband, the husband with the wife, the kids with the parents, the kids with each other, the kids get upset with the teachers at school. And before you know it, you got World War III on your hands and wondering why the Holy Spirit of God is not taking charge of your life. You're to ask, you're to allow, and then you're to abide. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. There are verses that you need to chew on and think about and consider strongly. Here's one of them. Without me, said Jesus, you can do nothing. You're not going to do one thing right in your life without the power of the Holy Spirit flowing Himself through your life. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, the Bible says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Don't irritate God by trying to show off and tell others how you think you ought to operate. You ought to operate exactly the way He wants you to operate. And the amazing thing is, you'll never grieve Him if you're always following Him. Let me say that again. You'll never grieve Him if you're always following Him. 
But if you make up your mind that you're going to do things on your own, you've got him grieved and he's not taking charge of your life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, quench not the spirit. Whereas grieving hurts him, quenching puts him at a distance so that he cannot put his hands on you and direct traffic in your life and get you to do exactly what you want to do or what he wants you to do by his power. So there's three words that need to come into your mind. One, ask. Would you say that word with me? Ask. Number two, allow. Say that word with me. And number three, abide. And say that word with me. You see, if you're asking, allowing, and abiding, then you're staying right in the center of the will of God so that He doesn't have to, have to come looking for you. The Holy Spirit's really not interested in going to some nightclub where you sneak off and go when nobody else knows. He's really not interested in going to some party where some of your friends go, but you used to not go because you got saved and you gave your life to God and then it was easy to get away from God. If you want the Holy Spirit of God to use you, you need to be where He is abiding and where He can direct traffic in your life. So number one, He tells us to ask, two, to allow, three, to abide. And then third and finally tonight, what are the characteristics of a Spirit-filled Christian? Now let's take a long look and see exactly what they are. Look down please in verse number 19 where it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Number one, if you're a spirit-filled, God-anointed Christian, you're going to be a singing believer. If the only time you sing is when you come to church, you may be a church-filled believer but you're not a spirit-filled believer. Spirit-filled believers can sing by themselves. They can sing with just their wife. They can sing with just their family. And when you open your mouth, what will come out is that which has been placed in by the Holy Spirit of God. Psalm 40 and verse 3, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Are you a singing saint? Are you the kind of person that wants to let people know that you spend quality time with God, He has your mind, will, and emotions, and you are one that wants to do the will of God every single moment in your life? If you're not, why then would you ever say, Holy Spirit of God, fill me with your spirit? You don't want to be filled with the spirit. You want to be filled with your spirit. And you can be filled with your spirit all day long without even asking, just function. You won't have to ask because if you just live in yourself, you won't be spirit-filled. You'll be filled with self. Number two, they need to be sacrificing. If you look at this passage of Scripture, he says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The term there is sacrifice. It means to give, not hold on to, but it means to give away. Hebrews 13, 15, by him let us offer the sacrifice of praise. That's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto God. I wonder if you're the kind of person that wants to thank themselves or if you want to have a mind that's fixed and focused on who Jesus is and how He operates in your life. 
Psalm 34 and verse 1, I'll bless the Lord at all times. Now you're going to find yourself not blessing the Lord if you're full of self. You'll find yourself blessing yourself. But if you get filled with the Spirit and He takes charge of your life, you'll make some tremendous sacrifices because you want people to know who this God is that has charge of your life. And then finally, there is submission. He says in verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The word submit means to support. It means you give yourself to. It means you don't tell God what you want Him to do. You listen to God tell you what He wants you to do. Because if you don't listen to God tell you what He wants you to do, how are you going to know? How are you going to rightly represent Him? People who don't have time to sing and sacrifice and submit are not spirit-filled individuals. They're full of self. They're full of what they want to do. They're full of what they believe is right. They're not the kind of people that give themselves fully and totally to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, we're sitting here at the end of the service. You say, preacher, are you done? I am. Last night I went a little too long. Tonight I'm going a little short. Now let's do some homework. Do you ask God on a regular daily basis to fill you? Do you allow Him to take charge of your life? Are you the kind of person that abides in Him so that when He just simply nudges you, you're ready to follow Him immediately? If you can't answer yes to all three of those questions, you're not a Spirit-filled believer. You're never a Spirit-filled believer just because you say, I want to be. You will be a Spirit-filled believer when you tell God you want to be, and you're willing to allow Him to take charge of your life. Are you the kind of person that is singing? Or is the first time you sang today in the service tonight? Preacher, why do you ask those questions? Because I want to get an answer. Are you a singing Christian? Are you a sacrificial Christian? Or does somebody have to constantly get up and say, Now look, you don't want to waste God's time and your time and somebody else's time. You're either going to sacrifice or you're not going to serve God. You see, if you sacrifice, it's because God who is inside you is working His way outside of you so that you can touch people and they can turn their minds and hearts to the things of God. And then are you a submissive individual? Do you show others that you love them because of all the different things that you try to get them involved in? Love is the word sacrifice. So as we come to the end of this message tonight, do you have Christian love? Does the love of Jesus dominate your life? Do you find yourself telling your wife, I love you, without her telling you first? Do you find telling Jesus that you love Him without having to have Him remind you, oh yeah, there is a revival this week. Are you involved in loving Jesus Christ?
Way back in the early 1900s, you may or may not have heard of a fellow by the name of Yates. Mr. Yates went off the war and came back, and when he came back, he didn't have much money, and so he had to start leasing where he and his wife and children could live. The people that were the neighbors next door had a oil crew come in and discover thousands of barrels of oil on their property. As a matter of fact, when they discovered it and the Yates heard about it, they said, I wonder if there's any oil on our property. The next day, the people who were running that leasing crew and that oil crew came over to see Mr. Yates and said, because your neighbor has oil, we think the line runs right up underneath your house. We understand you don't have a lot of money. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll cut you in on a large percent, but you'll have to sign these papers giving us right to come in and check and see if you have oil on your property. The first well that they dug yielded 80,000 barrels a day. Now some of you are going, are you making this story up? No, sir. It's a true story out of the early 1900s. The second well that they dug yielded 120,000 barrels a day. And it wasn't long before Mr. Yates, who was living on next to nothing, tore down his old house and fence and put up a brand new house and fence and got a whole brand new herd. And he was living high and wide. Did you realize if he hadn't taken the counsel and the advice of the people who were digging the wells in the house next door, he could have gone broke, had to borrow money, and died a pauper. A lot of this has to do with whether you want God to tell you how to live, and you're willing to surrender your will to His will and become very wealthy, or whether you're going to tell everybody else how you're going to live and stay poor the rest of your life. Let's stand together and bow our